What's going to happen is if ABM takes off in the way that, say, content marketing took off, results will reward the creative because the actual physical mailbox will become the new email box, and we will be fighting a war in the new frontier. The idea of using creative and highly targeted marketing campaigns is part of this recent evolution of account-based and content marketing. Adam Van Rijn, the VP of Growth Marketing, and Joe Chernov, the VP of Marketing at Insight Squared, join me today to discuss that exact topic. But first, in order to understand that relationship, we must first understand how companies like Insight Squared view and attribute ABM to their overall marketing strategy. You know, we're, we've really moved from a traditional uh, lead-based model and um, running a, a lot of an inbound strategy to wrapping everything up under ABM. So we don't think of it as, you know, sort of a percentage of our marketing being run under ABM. We're using ABM as our, our overall strategy. It's how we go into the market. So the sales team is running entirely off of a target account approach. They own a set of an accounts that they've decided are the ones that they're most likely to win. Um, and marketing is aligned to that in that we're providing air cover throughout the entire cycle uh, to generate engagement on those accounts and help the sales team win them. And Joe, I just want to hear your perspective as well, sort of how ABM has sort of helped to add to this idea of content marketing and how, I guess, some of your, I guess, content strategy plays into your overall account-based marketing strategy. So Adam is right that it's um, in, in many companies that are kind of dipping their toe into the ABM waters, there is a percentage, right? They, they may carve it off for a particular segment or a particular geography or particular sales pod, but... Our strategy is an account-based marketing strategy that is fused with some inbound marketing elements. So we still have a blog, and we invest very heavily in, in creating content that, is, that has a wide appeal. However, that content that we use for our editorial strategy and our blog is all kind of reverse engineered off of what our accounts are saying to our reps on the phone. So even so, we can't even draw a bright line between our inbound strategy and our content strategy. I'm sorry, inbound strategy and our ABM strategy, because what we learn in the ABM strategy informs our content or inbound strategy, which then ideally will reinforce and tighten the circle for reps to um, to pursue their target accounts. So the two tend to work together holistically. Uh, that's a perfect transition into you know how this strategy has gone. Obviously, uh, it's a fairly new strategy for for most companies. And you know, five years ago, ABM really wouldn't have been possible without the tech stack that exists today. Um, but I'm curious, what are uh, Adam some of the, sort of the easy wins and most difficult challenges that you guys have seen in trying to implement and de- deploy ABM at Insight Squared? I would go back to kind of how you how you start with an ABM strategy and the one of the critical success factors and most consistent themes that I, I think you'll often hear about is um, really close alignment between marketing and sales. And, and everyone likes to talk about marketing sales alignment. I have never seen um, closer alignment between marketing and sales than we've had at this company since we've started diving into our EM strategy. So it's a big challenge, um, but it's also where you get um, a lot of your, a lot of the benefit from an ABM strategy. So from the beginning, 
what we've learned is that marketing and sales just really need to be marching in in lockstep or none of this is going to work. So at the beginning, you develop your target account list. Um, That can't simply come out of one of the two departments. Marketing and sales need to agree collectively on what a target account looks like. And then in our case, marketing kind of did a lot of the work to source um, the set of accounts that we thought made up uh, the right target universe. Um, but then we go back to sales and, and have them weigh in and, and help us understand whether we got it right. And ultimately, you need both groups saying, yep, this, this is the list of accounts we're going after. This is what a target account looks like. So that when marketing you know, drives engagement at one of those accounts and it goes over to sales, you significantly reduce the likelihood that someone on the sales team is then going to say, nope, I'm, I'm not going to work this account because it doesn't look like a buyer. Um, so that's, that's really a foundational piece of an ABM strategy, and, and nothing else is going to work without it. Uh, another big challenge for us, uh, and something that's, that's pretty close to my heart, is getting the right technology stack and infrastructure to run with an account-based marketing and selling approach. So we started making significant changes um, within Salesforce and our marketing automation systems going back to last summer, uh, aligning everything around account-based workflows so that you have um, the right flow of information and the right visibility into things like engagement at an account level rather than having you know, a whole bunch of leads that are, it's not clear to you whether they're associated with the same account or not. Um, so that's another that's another building block to being able to execute an account-based strategy. Um, and as far as some of the wins, we we have approached this, I would say, kind of from initially from the bottom of the funnel up. So we started working in supporting the sales team with open pipeline that they're working. Uh, so we we ran some campaigns uh, at the end of last year. Uh, one one example is uh, we sent energy drinks into the top opportunities that our sales reps were working on right near the end of the year, and the messaging being these these cans were wrapped in the Insight Squared logo, and the messaging was essentially, hey, you know, we we understand it's hard to get through the crunch at the end of the year, so here's a little something to help you get through, and you've got you know 20 Insight Squared energy drinks now floating all around the sales team. So that when we're working that account, all of a sudden you've generated a, a lot of awareness there. Um, so that campaigns like that were some of the some of the early wins for us. Sort of off that idea, Adam, I want to pitch this to Joe with sort of I guess the right brain perspective here. How creative can should you be with ABM strategy? I mean, that's a phenomenal example. I love that example, and that really, uh, you know, as you said, Adam, you know, when you're going to pitch that company and they have your logo all around, you know, their company, it, it only makes sense that that conversation is that that much easier. So, uh, Joe, where do you sort of think the line is? Uh, should every company out there sort of be doing these? creative, you know, outreach campaigns, is that sort of the essence of ABM or, or what would you say? So there's a lot to that question. I, I think, look, every company that for whom ABM makes sense, and now ABM won't necessarily make sense for every single company. I think it's making sense for more and more companies as technology allows us to better and better target and be sort of more narrow cast in our um, in our campaign execution. 
Uh, I think that more and more companies can run an ABM program, but that doesn't mean that it's right for everyone. For those that are running uh, an ABM model or, uh, or at least a healthy percentage of their marketing is an ABM model, then being creative in finding a way to like get noticed by those accounts is a prerequisite. It's not a luxury. You, you simply have to. have to. The frontier that marketers, at least B2B marketers, have been fighting a war on is, has been the email box for a long time. That's what's given rise to all these marketing automation vendors. But what happens now when there is a, um, a meritocracy of swag and each company is trying to be more creative than the next in what they send? Well, you know, he who sends a boring mailer with predictable collateral and um, nothing kind of special or inventive in it, they're going to go in the trash can. And that's a much more expensive trash can than the electronic trash can on your desktop. Uh, those mailers cost money. The post office doesn't ship for free. And so you've got to be more and more creative and more and more clever in these campaigns or else you're going to be wasting significant resources. You've just confirmed one of my long-standing theories on the podcast, Joe, and that is sort of the idea that everything is cyclical. Obviously, podcasts have sort of come back out of the, yep. you know, the radio, and now it sort of sounds like we're going back away from digital and more towards direct mail campaigns. It's such an exciting, you know, prospect for me as someone who loves, you know, outside the box uh, marketing strategies. Um, I think that this is a great point and uh, an opportunity, and as you said, you know, a potential uh, threat as well for for a lot of marketing departments out there. Um, but I think it is certainly a lot easier to, to sort of break through the noise if you are sending creative direct mail campaigns as opposed to maybe a creative email campaign just because email is so, so uh, cluttered right now. And I want to go back to real quick, Adam, to one of the points that you made uh, in your previous answer, and that was sort of the idea of how you guys are so aligned with your sales team and sort of developing that a target account list. I'm curious, so how often do you think companies should sit down and sort of develop that list? Is that a monthly thing? Is it a quarterly thing? Is it an annual thing? Uh, what do you think is sort of the best practice there? I, I think it's going to be highly situational. You know, if you're if you're running sort of the more classic version of ABM, which is a, a really small list of target accounts, you know, if you're uh, very, very industry specific and you're universe is small that that list could be the list for you know a year or more i suppose in our case um, our target account list is is in thousands of accounts um, so it's something that we had to do at a lot of scale and we the sort of part of our model that remains inbound accounts will come in and raise their hands um, you know companies that weren't necessarily on our radar will request free trials and we will evaluate them as they come in and decide whether they look like a target account or not and, and tag them and, you know, market to them accordingly. I think that, you know, it, it really has to do with um, how you're selling, how large your market is and how fast your business is changing. Um, as we, you know, potentially expand into selling into different industries that could require us to go through a deep exercise of developing a, you know, particular target account list for, for a different industry. So I, I don't think it's one size fits all. I guess next question here, I want to transition a little bit into how you guys sort of see what you're doing at Insight Squared with, from a sales performance analytics perspective, how does that sort of fit and, and mesh with account-based marketing? How does that sort of make the ABM conversation easier for a lot of companies out there? 
Look, I, I think that the need for what we sell, sales performance analytics, so very, very deep analyses of how every component of your sales engine is working, um, that comes from the same place as account-based marketing. They're certainly not the same thing, but they come from the same place. And that place is this. Executives and boards need to understand the yield of a dollar in. So companies, well-run, data-run companies need to have sort of both eyes open with every investment that they make in sales and marketing. Now, Insight Squared software helps expose to an organization all of the efficiencies or inefficiencies of their sales team and of their sales process. Account-based marketing has risen, it has risen from the need for executive teams to have their marketing be much more predictable and the outcomes of their marketing investments be much more predictable. And in a purely inbound world, it's very difficult to predict outcomes because you publish content and you basically cross your fingers that somebody's going to find it. And crossing your fingers is not a strategy. On an account base, in an account-based marketing model where you are actively pursuing the accounts, it's over time going to be much easier to predict what the outcome of a certain sequence of events should be. So the same driving force is leading to a rise of ABM that's leading to a rise of sales performance analytics, and that is an increasing desire for executive teams and boards to have visibility into the yield of their investments. Absolutely. And I think that, you know, perfectly aligns with uh, revenue marketing and how so many companies are sort of shifting away from this idea of leads, 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 and more about, you know, revenue, revenue, revenue. Um, and I think that was definitely one of uh, my favorite, you know, topics. And uh, they had the, the, I guess, the picketers out front in, uh, in San Francisco at the Flip My Funnel Roadshow, uh, sort of protesting leads. I thought that was such a creative display of sort of how this trend has manifested itself for marketers. So uh, that is my ill-fated attempt to transition into uh, the Flip My Funnel Roadshow. Uh, they're sponsoring this episode. Uh, Joe, what are you uh, speaking on at the upcoming festival in Austin? I am speaking on the relationship between um, inbound marketing and account-based marketing. So why certain elements or certain shortcomings of inbound marketing have given rise to account-based marketing, which elements of inbound marketing continue to add value, and how the two of them can coexist and actually be mutually supportive. This is a little bit of a difficult ask, but could you give us a sort of one-sentence summary of that keynote? Sure. <laughs> the... Uh, the larger your addressable market is in terms of the number of logos you can pursue, the more your marketing model should be weighted toward inbound. The smaller your addressable market is in terms of the number of logos pursued, the more your marketing model should be weighted toward an account-based strategy. And it's from that very simple framework, if I'm selling to the Fortune 50, I'm going to be all in on ABM, and if I'm selling to the Fortune 5 million, I'm going to be all in on inbound. How can you, a company in the middle, borrow some of the thinking from the top and some of the thinking from the bottom to inform your hybrid strategy?
For sure. And I think that's sort of a great, uh, I guess, analysis, not only of the market, but sort of of, I guess, our, our conversation today. I think we uh, that certainly rang true for a lot of the, the answers that you guys gave. I think, uh, you know, as you guys sort of said that you're sort of almost all in on ABM. Uh, I'm sure there, there are folks out there that uh, aren't necessarily as into ABM and it, that won't mix as well with their strategy. But certainly it's important to make sure they understand how much of it should play into uh, what they're doing from an account-based marketing perspective. Uh, and then final question here, do you expect the Austin Festival to be any different, Joe? Is Austin better or worse than San Francisco? What are your thoughts? Oh, I am not going to pick my favorite <laughs> city. That would be, uh, I would be um, well, blacklisted the, from one or the other. The Boston Football Funnel was the best one, right? Of course. You know, Adam went to that. I didn't. I oh, was actually, you know, I think I had a board meeting that day. <laughs> Look, Austin is great. I, um, I was excited that it was being held there because I don't get, like, I get a lot of opportunities to go to San Francisco. There's just fewer opportunities to go to Austin. You know, I haven't been since South by Southwest uh, maybe three years ago. And so being able to go back to Austin was exciting just because it's a bit of a different destination for me. So I like it for the variety. Absolutely. And I keep wondering if they're going to be uh, keep ABM weird bumper stickers. I can sort of feel that coming. Um, oh, I, I think you should get on that. <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll shoot Nikki a note. Um, but yeah, uh, Sagram will fund it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, awesome. Well, thank you guys so much uh, for joining me today. Uh, final, final question here. How can our listeners find out more about you guys and about uh, Inside Squared? www.insightsquared.com <laughs> and um, no, just certainly come to our website. That's the uh, that's the first touch in our ABM strategy. We use um, Triblio. If you come to it and we know you, you'll see different content than if you come to it and we don't. If you come to it and you're from the Bay Area, you should see examples of local Bay Area customers. The whole process starts Whoa. with that first visit. That's cool. That's cool. Um, well, uh, thank you guys again so much for joining me. I uh, really appreciate your time today and excited to, uh, uh, Joe, to meet up at uh, Flip My Funnel Austin. All right. Thanks, Josh. Thanks, Josh. And to find out more about B2B Nation's Marketing Edition, check us out on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Twitter. We'd love to hear from you on this episode or any other ideas you have for future episodes. You can also find out more at technologyadvice.com backslash podcast. Thanks for listening.